with life, family, health, and finance pulling us in every direction, we lose connection to the real self and the intuitive voice that guides us forward. We leave our dreams behind and wonder why we're not living a better life. Welcome to the show that will put you back on the path that you need to be on. Welcome to Living the Best You with Janice Darrow. Through the guidance from Janice and her guests, our intention is that you'll be inspired and have greater clarity to live a more harmonious life. Now, here is Janice Darrow. Hi, my name is Janice Darrow, and you are listening to Living the Best You, live internet radio at voiceamericaempowerment.com, and I appreciate you being here today. So last week, we talked about the difference between well-being and happiness, and uh, some of the questions that came up that I heard through the week is, uh, well, life can be so hectic and full of scurrying from one event to another with technology everywhere. Uh, everyone at least has one or two technical devices uh, that could get us distracted. And um, our day is just so varied. And on top of that, we have multiple emotions running through us through the day. And so with all of that going on, how can we really live a well-meaning life? So today I'm very excited to uh, tell you that we have this amazing woman, uh, our guest, <laughs> uh, Nancy Collier, and she is a psychotherapist, interfaith minister, a writer, and a public speaker. She is a longtime student of Eastern spirituality and mindfulness practices. She writes currently for the Huffington Post in Psychology Today. Uh, her books uh, are Getting Out of Your Way, Unlocking Your True Performance Potential, and Inviting a Monkey to Tea, Befriending Your Mind and Discovering Lasting Content. On top of all of that, <laughs> Nancy has also spent 25 years as a top-ranked equestrian on the National Horse uh, Show Circuit and serves as a performance consultant to competitive athletes and professional artists. And she lives in Manhattan with her husband and two daughters. So if anyone could tell us about mindfulness, I think Nancy's the one. So welcome to the show, Nancy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, I asked Nancy, I asked you, Nancy, if you could, uh, wouldn't mind starting us every week. We've been doing a little bit of a, what I call a reflective exercise. And uh, for you, we would love to experience your mindfulness exercise. So if you could lead us in a mindful exercise, that would be fabulous. Sure. So the process of um, mindfulness exercise is really very, very simple. It's just to sync up your attention with where your body is. Usually in this culture, they're not in the same place. So just about a minute or two of attention, and I would ask you just to come into a comfortable position and feel actually the presence of your own body in the chair where you are or if you're standing. Just feel the sense of having a body. And see if you can just experience the mind landing inside this body and feel the seat of your buttocks, whatever it's touching, if you're in a chair. Just sense that for a moment. And feel what your feet are touching just now. Getting the sense of the direct sensation that your feet are having. And bringing your attention to your shoulders, just letting them drop down a bit. Feeling your shoulders as an entity. Allowing your face muscles to soften and relax. Imagine your jaw just loosening a little bit. Imagine the muscles in your scalp just letting go. 
feeling the weight of having a body. And notice whatever sounds are coming to your ears. Again, noticing that no no effort is required here, just allowing yourself to notice what you hear. Maybe noticing the quality of the air in the room you're in. Notice if there are any sensations in the body, any tightness or any tingling or wherever it might be, not needing to change it, just allowing yourself to notice it. And noticing if there are a lot of thoughts moving through or kind of quiet, again, not doing anything to change it, just peeking in to your direct experience right now. And just for a moment, imagine that there's no next, there's no place to get to, there's nothing to have to create just feeling your own presence, that sense of being, that sense of knowing that you're alive, right? No, not doing, not getting somewhere, just, just right here, the sense of your own living presence. touch into that deep, deep sense of presence below all the thoughts, below all the sensations, something that needs nothing and no effort. And as you come back into the room and we begin to dialogue, see if you can just keep a little bit of one foot in that deep sense of presence, just dwelling in whatever your direct experience is right now without having to go one step further, just right here. Giving yourself this opportunity to actually land where you are. ready, coming back into the room, and entering the conversation. And thank you. That was, <clears throat> that was very relaxing. <laughs> so I hope everyone um, at, at, at uh, home tried this. And uh, Nancy, would you um, like to share with us really the benefits of this mindfulness exercise and really how it really helps us in a longer range? Well, the benefits of mindfulness practice are that you get to be in the life you're living. I mean, nothing short of that, I would say, because most of us, most of the moments of our life are actually fairly ordinary. We're washing the dishes or we're taking the dog for a walk or whatever it is, and most of us aren't there for it. We're, we're always trying to get to a potential future or we're reliving uh, a past. But we're not actually synced up with what's happening. So when we start doing just a little practice, even just a basic five-minute practice a day, where you just notice even the sensations in your body, or you notice what thoughts are running through your mind, it's like you're actually coming in to inhabit your own life. So... The, the benefits are, are profound that you feel like you're in your life, not 
what happened? When did life happen? I, I never caught up with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I know for most of us, we get addicted to uh, our life, our identity, our, our goals, our plans. Um, and uh, from reading your book, Inviting a Monkey to Tea, you talk a lot about, about that, um, the monkey. And so would you like to, to tell us a little bit about what is the monkey? <laughs> well, in, in you know, Eastern thought, there's a story that the human mind is kind of like if you took a wild monkey, you gave it a bottle of wine to drink, and you locked it in a cage. The, the mind is kind of like that monkey. It jumps about. It's frantic. It's... The basic nature of the human mind is agitated, is always insatiable, um, and there's nothing wrong with the fact that that's your mind. It's like if you came home from work and your three-month-old golden retriever had torn up all of the, the shoes, you would maybe be agitated, but you'd say that's the nature of a three-month-old golden. It's the same thing with the monkey mind. The mind is in a constant state of needing something to chew on. And one of our problems, in a sense, or what creates suffering about that, is that we believe ourselves to actually be that mind. So one of the things mindfulness does is it gives you a little bit of distance from your mind. It's like there's a kind of sane presence that can watch this wild animal that is our mind, that, you know, needs material, loves to fix things, wants problems, and all of that can watch it without having to be completely identified with it and can almost come to love it. I mean, that's what the book really is about, befriending your mind, not being angry with that mind for being what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, oftentimes a lot of uh, self-help programs are uh, trying to eliminate that part where we call the, the unpleasant and the negative. And it sounds like you're coming from uh, a little different approach. Instead of trying to get rid of it, it's about befriending it. Well, I think that anything, you know, we try and get rid of gains strength. Mm-hmm. So because we develop a fear of it, because, you know, in terms of identity, when, when there's difficult material, there's, there's challenging feelings or difficult situations or there's all of that, we either say, you know, there's something wrong with us or losers for having difficult feelings or so we build an identity out of that. Or on the other hand, we say, well, if we acknowledge that there are difficult feelings side by side with positive feelings, which is the nature of everyone's life, that if we acknowledge them, we'll, we'll be stuck in them forever. We'll, we'll never get out of them. So there's a kind of fear of who we'll be if we have them. There's a societal uh, stigma against having anything that's challenging in our life. It's not all rosy and happy. And, and there's also a sense of the great power of negative feelings to, to control us. So for me, certainly in my own life and with clients all day, you know, I see that that system of, of shutting them in a room and, and, and getting them out of our face just doesn't work because the nature of life is such that it includes difficulty and joy. Mm-hmm. So it works much better if we find a way to relate to the difficulty that, again, is from a larger place. So we can sort of develop a compassionate relationship with the thoughts that are negative or the parts of our mind that we don't like, right? Because that actually then gives us some control over it as opposed to it controlling us. Yeah, well, for me, I um, spent so many years trying to fix, fix me. Um, and one day, years ago, I just realized that perhaps I'm a vase that has a few cracks, but That's still beautiful inside right. and out. And That's I started right. accepting some of these cracks, and, and uh, that That's changed every everything for me. That's absolutely every human being. And, you know, that's so 
beautifully put because we were raised, we're conditioned in this way that, you know, we, we hate contradiction, for example. So, you know, the fact that every human being comes with the cracks and the base. Right, that that's just what it is, and also that the nature of mind. For example, I had a client in my office this week, you know, who was criticizing herself constantly because she's not a spiritual person because she makes her. Well, she said because I make all these judgments about people, or you know, I'm always if somebody stands up in in a work talk and she tells a personal story, what's going through my mind is you know, oh, sit down, oh, sit down, and you know, I just. What I do a lot with people, honestly, is I give them permission to have a regular human mind. The mind makes judgments 24-7. It walks on the street. It has a preference for this. I don't like those boots. I don't like that hair. I like that. (laughs) And it's just the nature of the mind. So the less sort of, the less we can get into a whole story about who we are because we have a human mind, the the freer we are. That's the nature of it. We never stop making judgments. The mind never stops making judgments. We we uh, can get a chuckle out of that, too. Yeah. Well, Nancy, we are going to take a break um, and would love to hear more about this. And also, we would love questions. So call in at 888-346-9141 for questions for Nancy. And we'll talk with you on the other side of the break. Thank you. on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You deserve to live the life you are meant to live. Your struggles can become the pathway to gratitude and the joy of living. The true voice of your inner you is longing to be heard by you again. Gain greater tools and awareness. The adventure is just beginning. Janice Darrow invites you to visit www.JaniceDarrow.com to learn more about the exciting work she's doing as an intuitive empowerment guide, vision board facilitator, workshop leader, and inspirational speaker. Your path begins with a single step. That's JaniceDarrow.com, J-A-N-E-S-E-D-E-R-R-O-U-G-H.com. Do you think about losing weight and living a healthier life? Are you ready to make a change but don't know where to start? then you need to know about The Inner Way, a life-transforming inspirational DVD that will teach you how to change your thinking and change your life. Using the law of attraction, The Inner Way will explain why we become what we think about most and show you how to start attracting the things you truly want in life. The Inner Way is an exercise plan for your mind. Experts like Bob Proctor and Gay Hendricks will guide you through an abundant variety of tools to help you remap your thinking and start focusing on living the life you were meant to live. If weight loss and health always seem to be on your to-do list, you can get started today by visiting TheInnerWay.com. That's www.TheInnerWeigh.com. Watch the trailer, read the reviews, and discover why people are calling The Inner Way a film that everyone should watch. It's time to take that step toward the you that you were meant to be. It's time to experience The Inner Way. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. are tuned in to Living the Best You with your host, Janice Darrow. To reach our show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to JaniceLD at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to Living the Best You. Hi, this is Janice, and uh, we have a special guest today, Nancy Collier, and uh, author of... Uh, Getting Out of Your Own Way, Unlocking Your True Performance Potential, and Inviting a Monkey to Tea, Befriending Your Mind, and Discovering Lasting Contentment. And uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, accepting and working with our monkey mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I, I, love, I love that um, title of your book. It's, very, it's very catchy. So. It, it's funny because, you know, the... the 
title of a book when you're writing books, you know, it's always a very big sort of conversation with uh, publishers and the agent and so on and so on. And it's funny with this book because the, for to the very last minute, it had to do with mindfulness and spaciousness and so on. And then I went to, speaking of intention, I went to bed one night and I thought, you know, just let me give it over to the unconscious. And I, this is an absolutely true story. And the next morning I woke up and I said, it's inviting a monkey to tea. And none of that, that none of those words had been in the dialogue. And of course the publisher was, you know, fell in love with it. <laughs> but it really was in the moment of just surrender. I was trying to give the task to the monkey mind. And mm-hmm. the monkey mind couldn't kind of think out of its own way. And then I just surrendered and I said, let, let me step out into awareness itself. And it was the next morning, boom, it was right there. It was so interesting. Yeah, I, I love working with dreams for, uh, for answers. We do have a caller with a question, Jillian from North Carolina. Welcome to the show, Jillian. Hello? Hi, thank you, Janice. Yes, I have a question for Nancy. Mm-hmm. Nancy, how do you deal with these uh, emotions that are labeled negative uh, on the fly and in public? Anger, for instance, is one that you've mentioned, and it's it's difficult for everybody. And um, that's something that my partner has been dealing with this week in in uh, circumstances that a lot of us run into. He he's dealing with a bank where there is. Um, a particular person or one or two people that are not handling his money well and it's creating a lot of tension. He can't get his business done. Every time he talks with them, uh, he gets a different story. So, you know, over the last few days, he's gotten angrier and angrier and as his upset increases, they are less and less willing to deal with him. And this is not, you know, he's not physical, he's not threatening, he doesn't use foul language. But this happens to a lot of us, I think, we're out in public and and even in our private lives, on the fly, you're not going to sit there and, and do a meditation. What do you do? Well, it's a good question also because anger is so toxic, you know, for, for the one who's carrying it. And we don't want him living in that space either. Mm-hmm. But I would say, you know, the 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 practice really of mindfulness and and what I do is about your own relationship with your anger, your own relationship with some of these hard feelings. And so what that means is so much of our suffering comes really if we look closely at the judgment we hold against ourselves for having it. So I would say, first of all, to him, a big, big open arm embrace of if you felt any less angry, there'd be something wrong with you. Because we first have to really give a big permission slip when it's arising in us that it's okay. This is actually an appropriate response to negligent kind of management. So that even that little instruction there, right, takes away a lot of the kind of energy in it because there's a lot of energy in our conditioning to keep those feelings down. We're not supposed to be angry, and we're certainly not supposed to be explosively angry. But again, you know, so much of the work that really heals people is in radical acceptance of Oh, right, that is what's coming up. Now, what do I do? So it doesn't mean that we attack the bank or it doesn't mean all of that, but it means that there's a great place of compassion for the fact that we're experiencing that. And right there, you may find that a lot of the steam eases. Does that, does that resonate? So we don't go into a breath meditation, but inside ourselves there's a kindness for, for of course we feel this way, and this is so painful to feel powerless, and this is so painful to have people who are not responsible actually in charge of something that really matters. So there's this, 
you know, so much of the Buddhist practices and the meditation, and it doesn't matter what words you use for it, it's irrelevant. They're, they're compassion practices because they're saying, of course this is so right that you feel this, and this is really hard. So or, is that kind of a self-affirmation when you're dealing with people who obviously can't affirm that for you. That's that, right. You know, That's right. So there's a kind of internal voice we start to develop, which, as I say in my practice, you know, it's just on your side. The, the internal voice, rather than being against you and, and afraid of that anger or against you because you're not supposed to have it or against you because you're, you're not a kind person or you're too volatile or the endless sort of identity stories that then get attached to that. But if that voice inside were really on your side and we're saying, you know, wow, this is just such a hard situation, you know, now I have to also, on top of how hard it is, I have to phrase this in a way where I don't explode. I have to phrase it still in a calm and rational way. I've got that too now. That teammate, it's like you have a teammate inside you the more we kind of do the practice and take our own side, the more it's just, it's intuitive in the moment to be on our side. And that eases the anger itself. Well, that was very that well is, said. That, that makes sense. Somebody needs to be on your side. And yeah, that's right. Yeah, so. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, Thank we spend, you. the funny thing is we spend all day, every day with ourselves. And you wouldn't believe how not on our side, maybe, I mean, most people would, that we're not actually on our own side. So just thinking up, wouldn't it be better to have a kind of great friend internally than somebody who's always quick right there to judge you that you're having the wrong response or you better watch it? This is Instead, to have like a best friend right there, of course you feel terrible. This is so disempowering. Right. And, and then if you have the additional pressure of I should or shouldn't be a certain way. Oh, my goodness. That, that's, that's going to feel disturbing as well on top of how disturbed you feel already. When you really start to, so it's so spot on what you said, when you really start talking to people, you see that the real anger and the real pain comes from the gap between who they believe they're supposed to be and what their direct experience is. So all of these practices are this kind of radical, loving presence with what is. Because it's the way it is, because I'm enraged, then being enraged is the right way to be. And mm-hmm. right there, you just feel the system just kind of goes, oh, our, our rage so much is about that gap. Hmm, maybe that has something to do with victim thinking then, too. If, if you're enraged coming from a victim stance of, I shouldn't be doing this, I'm a bad person, versus, of course I should be doing this, exactly. then that would feel empowering. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and people think that, the, the, you know, that's such a common misunderstanding where they believe that the change needs to come somehow in their behavior or in what they feel, but it's actually in their relationship with what they feel. Uh-huh. That's where the change happens. Uh-huh. So I, okay. I, I wish him, you know, he's got a great supporter in you that you're calling with his... So he's got already a good friend. I hear that. It sounds like he needs to find a friendship within himself about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, well that was well, a wonderful question, Jillian. Thank you for asking that. Thank. Have a great day. Thanks. We have a we have another caller, Norman uh, from Asheville, with a question. Hi, Norman. Hi. Yeah, I have a question. It's not really about anger. Um, but I had a question the, uh, about something that happened the other day. Um, I was going to see a client, and the client had asked me a very thought-provoking question about a personal experience I had. And he was very respectful and uh, because it would inform him about his business if I answered that question honestly and, and truthfully. And I found myself confronted. It was like, wow, you know... <laughs> 
nobody's ever cared that much to ask me that question before. I wonder what his motive is, you know, so my mind goes into it and it's like, oh, you know, stop thinking about it. Just go be there. And then I'm like, this is a highly emotional question for me. So my mind's playing with, oh, I hope I don't cry because I'm a big grown man. And if I cry in front of a client, you know, he's going to think it's weird. And there was that dialogue, you know, of the monkey mind. So, so it's, I made a choice in the matter and I just said, you know, I'm not going to bring a box of Kleenex in there, but I am going to be real with him. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to try to breathe through it. And there's going to be some tears and it's okay. I'm going to accept that. But I mean, how do you deal with situations that are very emotional that really touch your heart? Because if your heart is really open, it's like you're sensitive to all these things. And then the mind starts battling that. So I just mm. want some, I get some feedback about that. How, how do you deal with it? You mean as a psychotherapist or? No, how do you deal with it as a person in business maybe? You know, right. you have to maintain a certain professional decorum. Um, however, there's all these emotions going wild inside. Right. You well, you know, one of the things that, that I do is, you know, of course, as a psychotherapist in my business, I do cry occasionally. I mean, it does mm-hmm. happen because the full range of human experience includes times of, of tears. So mm-hmm. for me, I guess there's a kind of, I'm not afraid of being incredibly vulnerable or touched by something, and then a moment later, being completely different. So I guess part of what informs my behavior is, again, a lack of fear about the fact that there are tears. So are, so is the emotional palette. One minute we're joyful, the next moment we're in sorrow, or something reminds us of something painful. The fact that it it moves so quickly and also so dramatically is also a testament to the fact that you're a kind of full-feeling human, that you're not mm. shut down there. So we kind of celebrate mm. that we have this gigantic range of experience and the incredible fluidity of it. But the other mm. thing I would say about that, too, is I use truth a lot in in all business because, you know, I have to interact with organizations as a public speaker and with publishers mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's... You know, I hear what you're saying, but it's not always, doesn't always feel appropriate to cry in certain situations. And in those situations, I often just say what's happening for me. So I might proceed by saying, proceed the real conversation by saying, you know, I've had to sort of think about whether or not I'm going to cry in saying Mm -hmm. this because it touches something so deep in me. Mm-hmm. And just by giving myself kind of that opening or touching into, um, I'm a little afraid here that I might go deeper than I want to expose, it, it gives me a little bit of kind of structure and feeling of control in the situation. Okay, I'm not, I'm not understanding that concept. Like, for example, if you're going into a situation in business where you've mm-hmm. just shared with me, you, you're afraid mm-hmm. you might actually get to tears, right? I might proceed even answering the question by telling the person, you know, in thinking about how to answer this, I was fearful that it might go too deep or that I might cry. Mm-hmm. So you sort of set it up. So that mm. you're really talking about the fear of crying, mm-hmm. right? So that you're not right. just aligned with the answer. There's a you who's sort of watching your response to their question. Well, right. Nancy, Please. Um, yeah, Nancy, wouldn't it be also helpful of uh, what you just talked about with anger is the self-caring, the love for self while feeling those feelings in a business situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. When we're tearing, that's the basic part of this practice, which is that there's an understanding that, you know, I'm going somewhere that carries a lot of pain or a lot of feeling. It doesn't even have to be pain. And it's okay. 
it's okay. There's an internal mm-hmm. permission for exposing that, and then also knowing that a moment later you can be being the most powerful and strongest man on the planet. And also what I'd love to see, if if you could give yourself this permission, that being a big, strong man actually means also being having the courage and being willing to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. not having to be black or white or red mm-hmm. or green, but actually saying, you know what, as a big, strong man, I'm all of that, and I'm strong enough to not see crying as a disruption to my strength. Mm. Yes, strong well, man, Norman. <laughs> right? That's, say what? Sorry. Does, does that feel like you could actually include vulnerability? Oh, yes. Yeah. No, that's never been a problem, actually, recently. Well, re- recently it's never been a problem. But what, what the problem is for me is I wonder if they're going to be able to take it. Are they going to think I'm weird because... I do integrate all that. In right. So, but right there in mindfulness practice, you could say, well, so you notice that you're going to, there's a witness there that I might cry, right? But then you have this mm-hmm. feeling, oh, I might be judged for the crying. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have now, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but you've sort of combined you with this belief that you'll be judged. But I would say, well, who perceives or who even notices then another thought that I'm going to be judged, right? You notice the thought I might cry, but you got kind of caught there by being the one who now is afraid. But that's just Mm -hmm. another thought. You could get behind that thought. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Norman. Thank you a lot. Uh, that's a great yeah. question. I actually would like to, to ask, we, we have a couple minutes before break, and I'd like to add on to what Norman was just talking about, about being judged, because I, you know, I've worked really hard uh, for over 30 years to be authentic with my emotions, and uh, sometimes they do come up, and I have had a, uh, some rejection or reaction about the real emotions that, are, that I feel are just being sincere and authentic. Mm-hmm. So could you... Um, sure. Well, you know, the thing is, I think that you're kind of coming from a place, again, that we're conditioned to believe, which is that we can control the external situation by being a certain way. And when you do a lot of sort of compassion practice inside yourself, what becomes more kind of tantamount is that we're in alignment with our own heart, that we're speaking a truth that is so. And if it's from our heart and it's truthful, it it may cause, it may be painful, but it can't be wrong. So the, the warrior's approach, in a certain sense, is I can be true here, and there may be pain as a result, and I may be judged, and I may be misunderstood, but I am willing, in a sense, to also accept that because we take the pressure off ourselves to control the response, but we, we, what we can control is, am I in alignment with my truth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're, we're uh, going for a break, and um, if you have a question for Nancy, call in at 888-346-9141, and thank you. We're talking to Nancy Collier. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You deserve to live the life you are meant to live. Your struggles can become the pathway to gratitude and the joy of living. The true voice of your inner you is longing to be heard by you again. Gain greater tools and awareness. The adventure is just beginning. Janice Darrow invites you to visit www.JaniceDarrow.com to learn more about the exciting work she's doing as an intuitive empowerment guide, vision board facilitator, workshop leader, and inspirational speaker. Your path begins with a single step. That's JaniceDarrow.com, J-A-N-E-S-E-D-E-R-R-O-U-G-H.com. Do you think about losing weight and living a healthier life? Are you ready to make a change but don't know where to start? Then you need to know about The Inner Way, 
a life-transforming, inspirational DVD that will teach you how to change your thinking and change your life. Using the Law of Attraction, The Inner Way will explain why we become what we think about most and show you how to start attracting the things you truly want in life. The Inner Way is an exercise plan for your mind. Experts like Bob Proctor and Gay Hendricks will guide you through an abundant variety of tools to help you remap your thinking and start focusing on living the life you were meant to live. If weight loss and health always seem to be on your to-do list, you can get started today by visiting TheInnerWay.com. That's www.TheInnerWeigh.com. Watch the trailer, read the reviews, and discover why people are calling The Inner Way a film that everyone should watch. It's time to take that step toward the you that you were meant to be. It's time to experience The Inner Way. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Living the Best You with your host, Janice Darrow. To reach our show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to JaniceLD at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to Living the Best You. Hi, my name is Janice, and we're uh, talking with Nancy Collier, uh, author of... I'm sorry. Inviting a monkey <laughs> to tea. Yeah, yeah. Inviting a monkey to tea, reprinting your mind and discovering less and contentment. I, I, um, I had my, um, I love the title so much I keep like forgetting. <laughs> so, hi, Nancy. Hi. <laughs> so I, uh, in reading your book, uh, I, I, I really was enjoying reading it. I uh, s- liked a lot of what you talked about, the unsticking and uh if you could speak a bit about unsticking, mm-hmm. you mentioned unsticking of the thoughts and unsticking of the feelings and unsticking from desire and identity and emotion. So there was a lot around right. that. So I'd There's a lot of hear. unsticking. <laughs> <laughs> that well, sounds good. When I say unsticking, what I mean is that most of us believe that we are what we think. We are what we believe. We are kind of our feelings, you know, we don't say, I, you know, we, we believe if we feel sad, we are sad. We believe that, you know, we're a Democrat or we're a, you know, an animal rights person, right? We take all of the things that we believe and we make them who we are. So when you see two people disagree about their opinions, right, they, they're fighting really to the death. They're fighting to exist because if they if they prove that their belief is right right then they get to be we're completely aligned with our thoughts our feelings our identity who we are we are right we have a thousand roles we play we're a mom we're all the things our achievements and Really what this leads to is a kind of state of constant defense we're always living in this I have to defend that part about me. I have to defend because that's who we are. And so what unsticking is about is starting to connect or uncover, because it's already there, a place in us which includes the thoughts. It includes the idea of ourself. It includes the feelings, but it's below it. It's bigger than it. It's in and around it. And the first thing we need to start doing is just to notice, right? We start to notice, oh, there was a thought. I just had a thought. The way we're conditioned to believe is we think something, we're just enmeshed with it. But if we start to notice, oh, a thought just went through my mind. Or we start to notice, wow, a feeling is passing through, kind of like weather moves through a sky. Or we start to notice, oh, a role I play, right, is mom, right? The role, the thought, the feeling, they all start to be something we can see. So then, well, what's developing then? What's developing is a kind of awareness 
of all these things which really, here's the crazy thing, we don't really have much control over. In fact, thoughts just happen. Try not to think. They just happen. (laughs) Feelings just happen. So unsticking means not being tangled up our identity and the thought, the feeling, or the role. We're talking about getting free, so a thought can just happen, and a thought can say, oh, I want to, you know, for example, a woman in my office the other day, she said, you know, a lot of times I'll see someone and I just want to punch them in the head, right? And um, this is actually true. And she felt terrible because she was that thought. And so when I helped her understand, even just from a neurological perspective, thoughts literally just happen. We're not the thinker of those thoughts. That's where we get confused. We think we choose to think that thought. No, uh uh-uh. That actually is false. Thoughts arise kind of like a broken computer system where the wiring has gotten all wild. Thoughts just pop up. They pop up. They go from, you know, what's for dinner to I want to push that person down to, oh, it's going to rain to my my third grade birthday party to my mother should never have said that. Literally, when you start listening to thoughts, it's, it's like a crazy person. So what unsticking means is not being so aligned with that thought that we're the thinker of it. So it's easier with thought than with feeling because feelings, if you start paying attention to feelings, feelings blow in and out just as quickly as thoughts. And they're almost as um, unrelated in a way to us. So unsticking means because, you know, happiness rolls in to our sky doesn't mean we have to get so up and about about it. And then a minute later despair rolls in. It's, okay, look what's moving through. So that's what unsticking means, getting a little freedom from the kind of constant changeability that happens within us. Yeah, the picture I I get when um, I'm listening to what you're saying is a gerbil on a gerbil wheel going round and round, Mm -hmm. and the unsticking would be a person watching their gerbil on the gerbil wheel going round and round. That's right. And so that's... When you get to that place, right, it just feels like you don't have to defend so much because a person over there, okay, so their thought about, you know, the Mets versus the Yankees, you don't have to be right so much. You can just see, okay, my preference is for this, their preference is for that, but there's something larger to them and to me that that's just another opinion, well, and I really liked what you wrote uh, a few minutes ago. You were talking about the neurology of it all, and um, it, and I know there's a lot of neuroscience working with contemplative uh, actions or how it affects our brain. Yeah. And uh, in your book, you talk about Richard Davidson. Um, so, could you speak a little bit about some of the work that Richard Davidson's doing to show what mindfulness and meditation are having an impact on change within our brain and within our person? Well, there's there's so many researchers now doing just incredible research that the more we do an awareness practice, the more we spend time noticing our thoughts and feelings without being aligned with them, just letting them move like clouds through a sky, what's happening is when we're resting in this kind of open awareness, Right, that we're the space within which those thoughts are passing. What's happening is that people are finding that the capacity for compassion and the capacity for action are enormously increased. So, you know, it's sort of the two best parts of ourselves, the, the proactivity and the, and the ability for kindness they actually, the plasticity of the brain is such that we develop those qualities when we are less intertwined with all that changeable stuff moving through. What they're finding, it's, it's, it's remarkable, is that the awareness place itself that can watch all of this changeable stuff moving through is actually 
a place of loving kindness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is yeah. like saying we are God at the very, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, just kindness, compassion, love, that at our very base, when we get free from believing we're just this monkey mind, what we really are is this compassionate action. Yeah, well, and and that we're wired. We're wired to be loving, compassionate people, and, and I like that. That's the core of who we are. Basic um, goodness. Basic yeah. goodness. But the mind, you know, is, with all of its wonderfulness, and, you know, we love the mind is wonderful for tasks. It is wonderful, and it's delightful to chew on ideas, and we're doing that right now with language and so on. But the mind is also the cause of tremendous suffering, if we are believe we are it, and we have to chase its every whim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I find for me that when I you're talking a lot about identity, and I know that when I'm attached to identity or putting thoughts about how things are supposed to be, I really do feel more suffering than just allowing and just accepting. I, I really appreciate. You, you sharing this great wisdom today with us. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. So do you have any last-minute words of wisdom before we close the show? You know, I would say that if, if somebody really wants to experience the full range of the human experience, right, it means that we, we let in all of it. It's a place of the deepest acceptance of the mind's machinations, the, the heart's machinations, the good, the bad, but all of it from a place of attitude of love and curiosity. Oh, what's this arising? Oh, what's this? Right? Without the judgment of what should be arising within it, without the judgment of what I'm that for the and when we we can edit releases job works and when this and our some fellows in the edit and all in wow I my real so I'm tired of this and say all the whole no one thing not do this men to most those and see all in one no matter the freak of us men as men as men morning and play off put in the tent we don't be brave for the ruler or in the mess we most Change 